As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is presented in part by Portatree. I use Portatree products personally to help me become the best racer I can be. From the pocket pal to a full-size national event tree, Portatree has quality products to meet our needs. Use promo code JINGLE10 to receive 10% off of all orders through December. In addition, today's podcast is brought to you by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. And it's all that we know, it's the way Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in Sportsman Drag Racing and the stars within it. Gotta hear this. This week on what everyone is talking about. All right, Luke, today's lead story for us, we actually got a couple of them, but we'll start off talking about our preferred engine builder and our good buddy Bones and Huntsville Engine in performance. I know you saw it, and I know you probably talked to Bones plenty, but he has announced his departure from Huntsville Engine, which um, comes as a shock to us, even though I knew there was some thoughts of it. I still never really thought he would go through with it, but Bones is leaving the engine business and uh, pursuing a career opportunity that he just couldn't turn down. I guess to some extent, like, I don't know that this is like a national story, but it does seem to have everyone's attention. And obviously for you and I, it hits pretty close to home, I guess, on the periphery because we're both friends and customers. What's your take well, I'm, I'm sad because outside of what business I do at Huntsville Engine, Bones is a very good friend and somebody that uh, I talk to every day. 
I, I literally every day of the week, if I haven't called him, he calls me and and we chat about stuff. So I'm sad that uh, I feel like that relationship will get some interruption because of his new career. But it just really sounds like a great opportunity for him. He is all over 40 years old and needing to set himself up for a, a, a retirement, for a career with a retirement. And I think this is going to be a very good move for him. So I'm very happy for him. Sad for me and, and the many folks that uh, that gets to deal with him on a regular basis. Yeah, I kind of echo that. Selfishly, I, I don't love this. I, I like dealing with bones. But with that said, I think we both are, are very familiar and comfortable in the idea that while Bones has been long been the face of Huntsville Engine, there's a lot more to Huntsville Engine than Todd Ewing. And that show will go on. I, I don't want to speak for you. I will be very comfortable working with Andy and Dennis and the rest of that crew in the future. Um, but obviously, oh, yeah. it's going to feel a little bit different without Bones there. But from a personal standpoint, and, and this is nothing that I haven't told um, Todd himself, I'm happy for him, and I'm proud of him, for this reason, and regardless of how you want to look at this, whenever you have achieved some level of success and some level of happiness in life, I think it is natural to safeguard that, and to to, to embrace the... Um, the safety and security of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's completely uncommon for someone of Bones's talent, drive, determination to have the ability to be successful in whatever walk of life he or she decides to chase after. So I have no doubt that he will be successful in this new venture. What I do think is unique is his ability to realize that and to have the courage to step out and do this. And I think that's awesome because like, there, you never know, there may be a, a greater level of success and a greater level of happiness waiting on him. And I don't think that a lot of people would be willing to put themselves out there and take that chance. So I'm happy for him to, to make that move. Yeah, well said. It did take a lot of courage and uh, a lot of hard decisions were made and uh, he's going to do very well. It's not in the racing industry. that it'll, it'll be announced pretty soon, I'm sure, and people know what he's doing. But he's going to do well, and he's going to be surrounded by a lot of great people. And if you're a Huntsville Engine customer or a potential Huntsville Engine customer, do not worry. Uh, the, the guys that actually perform all the crap that Bones tells you that they're going to do is still in place. So everybody that you need to still make power and, and reliability and longevity in your engine still in place, a Huntsville engine, and uh, they're still going to be a great source for you when you need their services. So looking forward to still dealing with them and seeing what comes of Bones' new career. I know it'll be great for him. As am I. I'm going to switch gears completely on you, Big Jed, and do kind of a 180. The other topic that uh, I don't know that necessarily everyone's talking about, it got my attention last week at the PRI show, and that is, the, the, I would say the rumor, but I think this is substantiated, that there is a, a petition floating around among the Super Comp and Super Gas ranks to have NHRA change the Pro Tree setting for the Super Classes, and, and I guess for every class, but specifically for the Super Classes, from its current 370 tree back to a true four-tenths tree. And a little bit of history for anybody that I may have lost in just talking about that. 
at the, I think it was right around the advent of the LED bulbs on the Christmas tree when most of us, if you've raced that long, remember that we all picked up roughly three hundredths of a second in reaction time when we went to LEDs over incandescence. At that time, it forced a lot of the um, pro stock teams and pro stock motorcycles in particular um, who were flirting with low 4.0 reaction times into, obviously, red lights. Uh, and they were forced to try to back up their combinations. Well, rather than put that on the pro teams, NHRA basically just adopted a tree that slowed everything down 300s and basically made it to where 370 was perfect, which at the time didn't change much because that's basically what we were used to with the incandescent bulbs. The movement now, again, this petition floating around is to back that back up to a 400 tree, which for most of us in the super classes would simply mean that we would add three more hundreds to the delay box. Jed, I don't expect you to have a lot of thoughts on this. I don't think you've ever raced in Supercomp or Supergas, so I'll kind of take the wheel. Yeah. I guess, in a nutshell, like, I won't sign this petition. Like, I'm not um, in support of it, per se. But to be completely honest, I don't feel strongly enough to say that I am opposed to it. Like, um, I don't think it matters a whole lot. Let me... (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, with a delay box, to the guy that doesn't do it very often, you'd think it doesn't matter a lot. Well, here's a little bit of the argument that you could make either way. And like I say, I'll just play devil's advocate because, again, like, I I don't guess that I'm in favor of this, but I'm kind of like, whatever. For the people that want this changed, particularly in Supercomp, like, I think this affects less than 1% of the the field at a race because there is essentially no one with a dragster that is capable of going faster than 890 that struggles to get a light. In, in its current place, like very, very few, and to the point, like and it, like just to do simple math for those of you that are are exclusively bracket racers, if you have 11:30 in the delay box of your bracket dragster, you could be O on a 370 Pro Tree without changing anything. And most of the bracket dragsters, when you look through the staging lanes, have 11:30 plus in the delay box. If they don't, they could easily get to that point by raising the launch RPM or something like that. So in Supercomp, like I, I think this has virtually no effect. Where it comes into play more so is in Supergas because you still have a percentage of the field that has essentially a back half door car that could and oftentimes do struggle to get a light on a four tenths pro tree so or or on should i clarify a little bit on a 370 pro tree so backing this up basically gives those those types of cars an extra 300ths of a second cushion and makes it to where a little bit more underpowered car or a little bit heavier car is instantly more competitive so that would be the argument for that it basically opens up the field to some cars that may not be considered as competitive currently or that really have to work on their combination in order to get a competitive reaction time. That would be the argument for. The argument against, and again, I think this is the side that I kind of lean toward, even though I don't feel that all that strongly about it, is simply this. Like, there have just been so many technological advancements over really the course of the last 20 years that have accomplished exactly what this would like to to level the playing field to i don't fair is not really the right word but to to give everyone 
a more equal chance. Cases in point, LED bulbs in general. Like most people mm-hmm. are more consistent on an LED bulb than, the, than we were on the old incandescent. And it took away that, do I need to add delay at dusk? Do I need to add a bunch of delay at dark? Like, it doesn't matter as much with LEDs. And then we had crosstalk. So, like, from the time that both cars stage, the tree pretty much comes on at the same time every time. There's no uh, starter to make for a long tree or a quick tree. There's nothing to adapt to as a racer. Then there is uh, crosstalk right? Both tops come on at the same time. So now you don't have to worry about which bulb to look at, stare at the tree. It makes it simpler for everyone. And then True Start even takes that to the the next level. And I'm a True Start advocate. But again, like everything that we've done has not only made it more quote unquote fair, it's also made it easier to make good runs. And while that is good for parity, it also takes away the inherent advantage that some people have worked for, like throughout the course of their racing career. Like, there's less and less areas to find advantage. And you could argue that that is good for the sport. I would like to see a few more things open up to make it more challenging to the racer and create a little bit more discrepancy between that racer that really works hard, really tries to, to take advantage of every angle. You know what I mean? And, and that's sure. one thing, like, particularly in the Supergas class, for a lot of us, it is a struggle to make the car react and i don't want to to take away from those that have done the work and put in the time to figure out how to make their cars do that so again it's like it's not a super strong opinion of mine but i would say leave well enough alone but that's just me yeah i I get that a hundred percent and i don't know much about that style racing like you said i hit the four tenths pro tree around here local 6-0 racing stuff from time to time but a 370 tree, I don't even think I could get close to that with my car. But tell me this, what percentage of the racers would you say have time in the box in uh, a super comp field? Super comp, like I say, 99%. Like this affects few, yeah, if so. any. Super gas is a little bit higher. I would say this rule change would probably benefit 20 plus percent of the field and probably take maybe 5% of cars that right now are simply not competitive and give them a chance. But again, the yeah. number's pretty small. So you'd still think 75% of the super gas racers have a few thou to, to 10 thou or so in the box. So. Certainly. And, and now yeah. we just have 33 to 40, you know? Yeah. yeah, it would seem like the change doesn't make sense then. And, and honestly, when the discussion come up, I had forgotten that... It was even a 370 tree. I've let myself believe forever it was a four-tenths tree. And then I remembered somebody telling me it was a 370 tree a couple of years ago. So I think a lot of guys in my position didn't even know it was a, yeah, a no, four-tenths. Yeah, it's, it's literally been in place for probably 15 years, but it's never really talked about. So unless you run Supercom Supergas, like, and there's some that probably do compete in the class that don't completely realize, hey, the tree is slowed down 300ths of a second, but it is currently. And for years, it was just at the national level. Now, it's of my opinion, anyway, that it's essentially every divisional level race, too, simply because when I go back and forth from nationals to divisionals, um, I don't change the delay box much. So Yeah, uh, I, I would guess it's 370 then. I don't, right. I don't think you're missing it. I know that I'm on the divisional level. Right. So just, just my gut. So, all right, a little bit. So what do you think will come of it before we end this discussion? What do you think will happen? Just as a gut feeling, I think it's very difficult to instigate change at the highest levels within NHRA. 
I would be surprised if this petition gained the traction necessary to really make a difference. Okay, cool. It'll be fun to watch it play out and see how it works out. Right, we're going to go a little bit different direction with this week's Who's Hot because, as far as I know, like we would have really had to dig deep to find any racing action last weekend. I don't know about you, Jed. It's below freezing where I live. <laughs> Not much racing going on in Illinois. So we're going to go a little bit different path. Obviously, we want to keep the Who's Hot segment up throughout the offseason, and there are a lot of races spread through the offseason. But uh, for this particular episode, we're going to go a little bit different direction with the Who's Hot He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Seabird Performance Who's Hot. Seabird Performance specializes in performance engine building for every aspect of sportsman drag racing. That's bracket racing, NHRA sportsman categories, heads-up categories, nitrous, turbo, and blower. Learn more at SeabirdPerformance.com. So, Luke, we got... A few people that are going to be discussed here and who's hot. And again, as you mentioned, we'll go a different direction. But uh, some interesting things or, or kind of hot items, if you will, were uh, on display at the PRI show. And you were there personally to see them. Yeah, Jed, Mark and I were at the PRI show. I know uh, some of us have like real jobs that uh, kept us from being in attendance. So we'll excuse <laughs> yeah. you on that. But <laughs> Thank I, you. I think among... Sportsman draggers, obviously there's a lot of different things at the PRI show. There's a lot of things that can catch your eye. But the things that everyone seemed to be talking about to me were new cars on display from three chassis builders and three completely different ways of going about it. But the three that really caught everybody's attention, and we're going to split the who's hot up among Ray Ray Miller and the guys at Miller Race Cars, Joe Fisher, JR, and the guys at Power Chassis with the new Copperfish dragster, and uh, Dave Brodsky and the folks at American, and namely Chromeworks Ultra Cars, for their new car that was on display. Again, three different dragsters on display uh, throughout the show that, man, eye catchers. Um, I guess I'll start off talking about the Copperfish. Obviously, Joe Fisher at Racing RVs, friend of the show. I'm sure most of you have seen pictures of this car on Facebook. Copperfish stood out, and Copperfish is unique. If you haven't seen it, Take like the most detailed dragster that you have ever seen, paint it black, and then take all of the stuff that would normally be like chrome and finish it in copper. Like, and it almost looks like a gold plate. And if you're thinking yeah. about that and, and not seeing pictures and picturing this in your mind thinking, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's most people's first reaction to this car. Like, it's just so unique and so different. Like, you have to kind of take a step back and decide whether or not you like it. And I think it is by far the most polarizing car of the bunch for that reason. Personally, I like it. And you, whether you like it or not, when you look at it up close, you can't help but be taken aback by the attention to detail. Every piece on that car is either black or copper. Like, it's... There is no telling the man hours that went into this to make a truly unique piece, and it's gotten a ton of attention. In that same booth, uh, in the Racing RVs booth, was Charlie Stewart's new Corvette bodied roadster which is like a 2017 corvette uh, it's a yes. role that i know charlie's been working on for a couple of years and man did it turn out slick uh i think charlie sold a lot of bodies from there and the cool thing about charlie's body is like it was sitting there in gel coat and it looked like you could go race it like you get, it really did yeah you get a lot of these bodies that any painter will tell you like they're a long way from being paint ready i'm sure there's some work that goes into um 
blocking off Charlie's new body, but it is nothing compared to some of the other stuff that's in the industry uh, and on the market available right now. Really slick piece. You went a little bit further down the aisle to the Strange Engineering booth and saw Ray Ray's new Miller Dragster. Jed, I'm sure you saw some pictures of this one on Facebook as well. Obviously a much different theme, but again, like no detail spared. The guys up at Todd's Extreme painted this one. It's unbelievable. The rips, the tears everywhere. I believe it was a carbon body, and he had some carbon showing through in various spots of the paint scheme. Like, really cool car. And the guys at Miller, unbelievable in terms of attention to detail. Like, they thought of everything. There's literally a cell phone holder in the cockpit. Yeah, and the the tire gauge holder. Yes, I saw that too, right? (laughs) That was excellent. Very slick Really, really cool. And then uh, a little bit further yet down, and one that I didn't see as much of um, on social media, but probably the car that at least personally I think I like the best, and I'm not just saying this because it was an American car and I'm an American customer. Dave Brodsky's new car, like, it's just my style. Like, the colors were really dark. It probably wouldn't jump out at you from the racetrack to the stands. But same type of idea. It was a, a, a carbon fiber body, and Todd, again, Todd's Extreme painted this car, showed through a lot of the carbon fiber and the rips and tears and schemes of the paint, but the base colors were like a darker blue, like a, a gray, uh, maybe a little bit of purple in there. Like, that's just me. And I know that's not everybody. Like, I really am drawn to that darker look, and I love that car. And same deal, like all three of them, the attention to detail is just so incredible. We've taken this stuff to a whole different level, and it was really cool to see. So this week's, that was a long way of saying this week's super performance who's hot we're going to split it up three ways ray ray and the guys at miller race cars dave brodsky as well as john parks at chromeworks ultra cars and travis and the guys at american race cars for that build which they called sub-zero and joe fisher's Copperfish, again completed by jr race cars so congratulations to all those guys on this week's seabird performance who's hot Time for the big interview on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. All right, as promised, joining us now on the uh, hotline is a guy that just experienced a phenomenal 2017 season from coast to coast, top and bottom bulb. He won multiple 20Ks on the bottom, sprinkled in. Some top heavy hitter finishes with uh, a runner-up in a $250,000 race, no less. A guy that's just set the world on fire this year on the racetrack. Great to have Nick Hastings on the phone with us. Nasty Nick, how you doing this evening? I'm doing well. How about y'all? Couldn't be better, bud. Well, I appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot. And, yes, sir. Uh, I've been listening here and there when I get a chance to, and uh, it's something I've been looking forward to, and appreciate y'all having me. Yes, sir. Well, it's great to have you on. And um, we'll start out, Nick, by just thanking you for joining us and want to to give our listeners an opportunity to get to know you a little bit. I I know a lot of people are familiar with what you do on the racetrack, but for those of our listeners that aren't familiar with you, tell us a little bit about your racing career, just kind of how it started and how you got to the level you're at now. It started out when I was young. I grew up uh, somewhat around racing. I used to... uh, go to the track when I was a little kid and watch my aunt and my uncle race. My uncle raced motorcycles. My aunt, she raced door cars and, uh, always enjoyed going and watching them and being a part of it. And, uh, you know, once I caught on to the fact that, uh, there was such thing as, you know, junior dragsters, 
I was blown away and I had to have one. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure as a lot of little kids think, and, uh, luckily enough, you know, uh, my grandpa, he found a way to make it happen. He ended up getting me a junior dragster and we, uh, took off and started racing when I was eight, you know, didn't start out with the best of equipment. You know, we kind of worked our way up to something a little better. And, you know, then we did a little bit better and kept yep. going from there. And next thing you know, uh, we started doing a little bit of winning and whatnot. And, you know, as soon as, uh, my grandpa and I got a little taste of, of it. It was uh, something we <laughs> we uh, had to keep doing. So, you know, little by little, we kept uh, moving on up. And uh, he, uh, like I said, I, I was lucky enough to have somebody who could help me and uh, kind of pave the way for me and, and give me a chance. And, you know, I ended up dedicating a lot of my time and, and racing and, and as well as, as my grandpa. And it eventually evolved into uh, a whole support group, which has just kept growing and once I reached uh, the age that I had to get out of the juniors, we traveled the country. You know, we, it was kind of kind of reminiscent of what my career's been like since I got into the big cars. Started out mm -hmm. locally and uh, kind of worked our way up. And once we got to the point that we were able to compete on a little bigger level, we started to do the traveling and we traveled all over the place together. My grandpa and I and uh, made a lot of friends. Got to got to do a lot of things, went a lot of stuff together. And you know, when I uh, got to that age he helped me get my uh my first race car which was an 83 mustang it wasn't the best either it was kind of like starting all over again uh, <laughs> whole process repeat of the junior dragster days and so little by little worked my way up there you know racing around locally and learning and uh i'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of people uh, along the way to uh you know, help me out with that. My mechanical inclination was only to the point that I could take care of basics, but in a sense, I was restricted as, you know, to what I could do. And, uh, I had a lot of, a lot of friends step in and help, you know, I had my buddy Jim ring really help me out and a whole group of guys for then on, uh, between Jim ring and, and, and a lot of these other people that stepped in after that, you know, Jose Diaz, I know a lot of people know Jose yeah. and, uh, I got to uh, Mark Falk, you know, a good friend of mine, give me an opportunity to drive a big car for him for a while. Over time, you know, Jose was one of the people that he saw something there that uh, in, he, he tried to convince me that I could do uh, more, you know. And like, I come out of my pocket a lot when it was time to grow up. And uh, uh -huh. I, I didn't have the, the means necessary to go do the kinds of things that, he insisted I should be doing, but eventually he was able to talk me into somehow seeing the sense in spending, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars to go out to uh, some of these bigger races. And uh, I know he talked me into, uh, I used my, well, I used my buddy, my first big, uh, first big race actually was probably at Bristol in my buddy Jim's car. We were fortunate enough to run her up down there at Bristol and uh, run Steve Foley in the final you know, and, and then Jose convinced me to uh, venture out and hit a couple more of these big races. And, you know, like I said, it's nervous about it, yes. And he needed to uh, push me to do so. Well, so I did. We tried it out, and it worked out. I think our first attempt was maybe Holly Springs. You know, we went out there, and I thought to myself, man, this is just, uh, this is, I, I, you know, I, I knew I had to do well. Let's put it that way. And it worked out. We won our first, you know, we won a, well, we won a, a big money race out there and uh yep. i think it was a 10 grander and kind of took off from there and through my friendship with him i got hooked up with calvi peru fortunate enough to run into a guy like him he, he's he's kind of how it evolved from that point 
you know, met Calvi and we kind of assembled a team, so to speak, and uh, put things together. You know, he did, he's been turning wrenches and, and, you know, doing all the, uh, the hard stuff for us, let's say, and keeping yeah. us on the track and, you know, really making it possible, you know, uh, to, to do what we're doing now. And so as it worked out, we, you know, we kept after it. We had our ups and downs as everyone does. And eventually it, uh, turned into what it has now where, uh, you know, we decided to kind of turn to and really buckle down and give it a shot to see what we could do. That's kind of how this season came about last season. Also, you know, things started clicking and, uh, obviously it's something I love, love to do. And it's unfortunate from a standpoint, I know there's a lot of people capable. The biggest part of it is being able to, and just having the opportunity to dedicate enough time, have enough help, have enough support behind you to, to, to go do it, keep doing it. As you both know, it, it's a full-time job in a sense. And, uh, I really don't know how people juggle the various lifestyles that I see out there between work and still being able to do this stuff, go racing and whatnot, it's definitely a tall task, and uh, they're accomplishing a lot more than I am. Like I said, I, I've had all the help that uh, I could ask for, and it's really, it gave us an opportunity to decide to, you know, take it a little more seriously, and, sure. and, 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 and sure enough, you know, last year we had some success there too, towards the end of the season and whatnot, and uh, this year we just decided to uh, go after it, and it's uh it's worked out well i i couldn't you know it's worked yeah, out well but i'd say that's an understatement <laughs> you uh you prefaced that that explanation with something and i'll paraphrase the extent well it started back when i was young i don't think of you as an old guy Nick. for for our listeners that aren't familiar with it how old are you now 30 okay. <laughs> oh yeah i didn't think you'd got to 30 yet <laughs> yes sir <laughs> So, I, and yep. by the way, that story had a really personal feel to me. I, I didn't realize that I knew you burst on the scene at that year's World Footbreak Challenge, but I didn't realize that the WFC and the SFC was so instrumental in propelling you to another level. So, I don't know if you was, said that yeah. for me, but I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> actually, no, it hadn't crossed my mind, Jared. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely was. Nick, 2017 was an absolutely amazing season for you. You know, I know you're a humble guy from talking to you quite a bit. And I want to know, have you taken the time to look back on the year and truly understand what you've accomplished? I mean, I'm looking over some of your big wins and runner-ups of the year, and it's just, I mean, it is one amazing season. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, um it's hard to do, Jared. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to do. It's one of them things that you all know best that, uh, this sport, it can be so draining from a sense, uh, or in a sense that to keep going and keep going and pushing yourself. And, and it's, uh, eventually it all kind of runs together. You know what I mean? And it might be a good thing also, but sure. I have, uh, we've reflected back many times, but you know, to answer that in all honesty, it's, it's, it's hard to do because, way of thinking that I, I I think I've been in kind of trained to look more at what we haven't done than what we have done. I, uh, yeah. I get that. I think from my grandpa, I think from the, uh, the group of guys, unfortunate to, uh, be involved with, uh, throughout the, in the racing. And it's something that I guess it doesn't really, it doesn't really sink in, I suppose. And, uh, and when it does, 
to an extent it is. It's hard to explain that, I guess, Jared. It's, it's, yes, I have. We try, we reflected back on it, but at the same time, we're always trying to do more or do better. And I think in a way we try to not pay so much attention to that, but at the same time, it is something that we're definitely, uh, proud of and and, and grateful to have been able to do because you know how difficult it is Uh, so you have to appreciate what you've accomplished we more than appreciate it absolutely i mean like i said especially nowadays i mean it's it's just surreal i guess in a sense it's hard to get a a grasp on it It seems almost like a blur in a sense when you just you keep going and going and going and and i'm actually doing what i wanted to do for a long long time and i'm getting to uh compete with my heroes and, and bump arms with them in the staging lanes. And, you know, it's, it's a surreal type thing. Oddly enough, don't know what else we'd want to be doing. So it's definitely, it's tough to process, let's say. Yeah, I can understand that. But, Nick, we, yeah. we talk a lot, or we have talked a lot on the show, I guess probably me specifically, about the the rising costs associated with competing at the highest levels in, in, in big dollar bracket racings. And in that, I don't just mean the the larger races and the entry fees and buybacks. I mean the the cost of equipment and the cars and rigs and, and some of that's just the keeping up with the Joneses and, and how I don't <laughs> think it's necessarily a good thing for the sport. Like, I'm not going to diminish your equipment at all. That's not my intention here. But in relationship to the rest of the field, you've had this unbelievable season, unbelievable run over a few years with, like, not the most costly equipment. You don't have the most overhead. And obviously that's what goes into enabling you to essentially make a living from your racing. But, like, when we talk about the rising costs of racing, like, do you just sit back yeah. to the podcast and laugh and be like, eh, you don't need all that stuff? Like, what's your take? No. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, I'd like to think so, Um, you know, but it is. It's like you say, that's that's part of evolution. It's it's come a long way. I mean, not only has the equipment, I mean, everything has evolved along with the the talent. I mean, everyone's, it's just tough. It's tough. And like you say, the equipment has just uh, made it that much tougher. But I suppose we've always tried to, uh, yeah, get by with, just bare necessity in a sense <laughs> yeah. you know obviously uh, you've paid attention to what matters and i think one of the coolest storylines to come out of this season if you could paint it as that is the arguably the the two most successful competitors throughout the season and the guys that i think we've talked about more than anyone on this podcast would be you and brad plord and you've both done this in I don't want to say non-traditional, but like you buck the trend of thinking that you have to have a $80,000 dragster to be competitive. And I think that that's awesome for the average, you know, the not the average, the, the local bracket racer that's sitting at home thinking, man, I wonder if I could compete at that level. I think you, right. what you've done is an inspiration to a lot of those people. And what is, I know having come from that background not too long ago, that's got to mean a lot to you. Yeah, I tell you what, it really does. Certainly appreciate it, Luke. But yeah, it, it really does mean a lot to me. Uh, like I stated previously, if we just cut to the chase, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of people capable. You know, having the opportunity to, like you say, it's uh, it, just being able to is it's not in everybody's cards. Fortunately enough, I've had enough help, and you know, we've kind of been able to do that. But it, but back to what you were saying, Luke, it, it really. It really does mean a lot to me, only from the standpoint that 
a lot actually can compete, I think, without all that. It's happening, I suppose, for us. <laughs> uh, we're, we're not, we don't have the, uh, you're right, we don't have all, all the uh, bells and whistles, but uh, we try to make it work. And uh, in the end, you know, it, it, it pays off. So, Well, let me tell you something, Mike. I got in one of the cars that you drive at Vegas and until Luke ended my dream of winning the spring fling million. And I don't know, <laughs> it might not look like the, the $80,000 dragsters or the, the $60,000 door car or whatever, but you got some fine equipment. And when you think of how it is supposed to function and it doing what it's supposed to do, you got good stuff. I don't think you ever pull up to the line and feel inferior for sure. I'm with you on that. That's not at all. I don't deserve any of that credit. So we'll redirect that to Calvi Peru right now. <laughs> he's uh, he's responsible for making that stuff happen. You know, uh, Jose, you know, when we first got started in the, you know, the big money race and the, the big money bracket race, and I didn't have anything at the time I could really even compete in. And so Jose, you know, he, he had a couple good cars and he put me in a, a good car. And I thought, my God, you know, this is totally uh <laughs> this isn't this isn't as bad. Just, you know, we can do this. So, and then you know, like I said too, Calvi, he's just uh, he's something else. I mean, he pays attention to detail, and he's one of the best at uh, making it happen with with as little as possible. Uh, I know, you know, one thing that you know a lot of people don't don't really realize, and you know, I almost feel bad from the standpoint that you know, Calvi, he's he's worked just as hard as anybody all year long. I mean, uh, one thing that we don't talk much about is all the issues we've had. A lot of people wouldn't hardly believe me. I don't think if I told them what all <laughs> we dealt with throughout the season, but, uh, you know, we left the Powerball, well, at the Powerball, for example, and that's kind of where the season got kick-started, let's say. I actually, I went to a couple races prior. We decided to go hit the top a few times, uh, and I uh, went to Beach Bend, Bowling Green, Kentucky, run it up in a 10 grander down there. And then, so we headed over to uh, Rockingham for the 320s. So we didn't win there, but we did real well. Went a lot of rounds, run it up to one of the 20s, I believe, and then uh, headed to the Powerball. And um, at the time, everything was going pretty good, but we were fighting. We were fighting the car a little bit. This was a T1000 at the time that we were uh, dealing with. And uh, couldn't quite figure out what it was that the car wanted from us to cooperate to what we know it was capable of. And, you know, we go to the Powerball, and I had issues with it there. And uh, prior to the 250 main event, I didn't know what to do. The car just, it, it didn't want to cooperate. It wouldn't run clean all the way down track, you know. Calvi says, pull the fuel filter off. I said, okay, well, I had to clip away the crank trigger wires off the fuel filter so that way I could get it off. It was tied together and take the fuel filter off and put the lines back together. I go out there and do a great big long wheelie, pick up about 800s. You know, so I thought, wow, this, I fixed it. It was a fuel filter. So uh car was deadly rest of the day out of nowhere and uh, ended up running up in the, in the main event. And then, uh, which was probably a career changing day for me, um, only because I knew, man, you know, I'm going to be able to go to a few more of these. And that's kind of how it's been. You know, I'm taking uh I kind of dove in deep there at the beginning. I said, ah, let's just yeah. go for it. And we'll kind of find out what's, we'll find out what's going to happen from here. It's something me and Talvi had talked about, you know, over the winter and, uh, something we were anxious to, uh, uh, try and do. But on this day, things came together. It worked out. And, um, we go out to Vegas. I meet with Randy Bill Jr. We go out to Vegas. We get out to Vegas. Like car won't run. 
will not run, won't go down the track, <laughs> won't, it won't make a clean hit in the, in the staging lanes. Uh, we don't know what's going on. So I struggled out in Vegas, uh, needless to say. Still had a great time. Got to meet a lot of cool people, people that I've read about, looked up to, and you know, it was, it was a great experience. Got to watch, uh, got to watch you uh, wheel Camaro down to I think a dozen, and then you know, cool hand. Obviously, he was struggling out there all weekend. We was he had itchy palms the whole entire time. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was a good time. But needless to say, we get back trying to find a problem with this car, and. Uh, turns out that the crank trigger wire one of the crank trigger wires was actually broke inside the coating and i had manipulated it just enough taking the fuel filter off and it it uh wow it, it must have re- made a better connection the rest of the day just it, <laughs> it worked it's one out of those for things that day, that, didn't it? Down, can you believe that <laughs> I, I, all i did was i damn tore the wire out of the way put that fuel filter off and just moving them wires around evidently between the final it at uh, Darlington to Vegas, it must have had enough vibration or, or whatnot that it was back to its old self again. So, but you know, little stuff like that. You know, we find out it's a crank trigger wire. Weeks later, obviously, we struggled some more after that with it. Figured that out. You know, we go to Bristol. Uh, Bristol was another great, a great weekend for me, and uh, another ironic one in itself. Struggling with the car down there as well, especially the last two or three runs, the main events. Uh, what was it, Saturday, Jared? Yeah, I think it was. All it of a sudden, was. I just I couldn't get the car to hardly leave the starting line. It was, it was uh, something was going on, and, and I didn't know what. But we had left before we even went to Bristol. Uh, we knew we knew something was going on, just didn't know what. And throughout the day, it worsened. And um, I come back from the final to talk to uh, Jed on the microphone there at Bristol, and had twelve pounds of oil pressure. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, I remember the. Uh, even prior to that, you know, I had a, a nitrous solenoid. I decided to purge the nitrous before I went out on the track one run, and the solenoid stuck open, fuel solenoid stuck open, and, you know, it was flooding itself out, and I pulled off to the side and ended up, you know, getting some help. Brian Hendrickson brought me a couple pieces I needed, and Tommy Plot helped me out. Chris and Tommy Plot helped me fix it up, and and then, you know, like I say, the uh, engine wore itself out the remainder of the day down to <laughs> about 12 pounds oil pressure. I changed, put a fresh oil change in it, and you know, I called home. I said, Calvi, this is what's going on. What do I do? He said, it's, it is what it is. Run it. So uh, <laughs> we raced again on Sunday. And even recently, uh, past end of the season, even let's say, it's another example. We uh, had some issues with it. We're struggling. Couldn't tune it. Couldn't, couldn't, it wouldn't respond to anything we did to it. And uh, basically just had to deal with it. And, uh, you know, we get back and find out, you know, we got to, a cracked cylinder wall on the block and a couple rings are eh, out of place and <laughs> stuff like this. So it's, uh, I guess in a sense, that's how good Cali is because even with all these issues we've been fighting, I still had something I could work with. And, uh, oh, there's a lot to be said for that. Nick, I looked through the, the laundry list of accomplishments just from 2017. And I mean, on the bottom, like you won, I would say like, the three most prestigious bottom ball races in the country between Jed's two events, the World Footbreak Challenge, the Southern Footbreak Challenge, and then closing the year with the Fall Frenzy. 
you mentioned the the windfall that was uh, a runner-up finish at the Powerball. That's off the top. And just for good measure, you, you showcased your versatility by winning the utility field at the All-State Challenge in Memphis. I'm just, I guess I'm curious, like, of all of those performances and everything else that we're not even talking about, the, the final rounds and the events that you won over the course of 2017, is there any one that stands out maybe not necessarily financially just in terms of maybe sentimental like was is there one win of all the others that you'll remember um, when you think back on your 2017 season um without a doubt you know i've had a lot of good ones but uh definitely definitely my most recent one at piedmont that has to be it for me i knew that i knew that when i turned on the last win like that night uh, you know that 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 was it was probably the last one I'd have to be around for. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that meant more to me than anything else. I think I had a hard time even pushing myself to go. And it's something that, uh, you know, he, he really wanted me to do. So it meant a lot to me to, to be able to, uh, leave off on that note. He's not somebody, uh, it's not easy to impress. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's, uh, He's really been, he's been rough on me in a sense over the years, but I have to tell you, I, I, I believe he's always wanted to, you know, build for me. And, and, um, it's another motivator, I suppose, in the season, you know, I, my grandpa's been ill for a while and, um, I really badly wanted to show him that I could, you know, I'd be okay and, uh, I can do this stuff and it's been worth it. And, uh, you know, thank you in a sense. And, uh, he just, I did all I could for him and he did all I could for me. That was a really a special, a special moment. It was a, it was a different feeling from any other just because I felt like there was something else kind of attached to, uh, that last win. I, I just knew it. So it, it, it was, it was definitely one that, uh, I was really grateful to see, you know, and he knew about it. So it was definitely the, that, that was, that was probably the one. From a competition standpoint, that's 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 my sentimental. That's from a sentimental standpoint. That's got to be my uh, that's got to be my uh, ultimate uh, final round of the season. Uh, competitively, there's been God, that's hard to say too. <laughs> that's really hard to say too. Um, I know I was. Uh, I know I will. I tell you, me and me and uh, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could pick any other ones out. To be honest with you. That's definitely it's it's a no brainer for me that Piedmont's got to be, you know, the ultimate deal. So, yeah, and with all that emotion there, and, and that that race on the Footbreakers landscape is is huge. It it means a lot. It's legendary, and you want to win it. And then to get through a field like you did, that was a huge field. Uh, it, it, biggest, it really biggest was. Biggest you probably raced in all year on the bottom, I'm sure. And you know what it means to win that, especially with all that emotion. It was a that was a great win for you, and I know your well, grandpa was uh, had to be super proud of that. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, you know, uh, I talked to my grandma. You know, I ended up I I, I returned home there left that night, and uh, it was kind of spur of the moment. But everybody was really uh, helpful and accepting of the fact that I had to take off. I went went back home, and you know, uh, you know, we that was what we had to deal with, and. You know, my whole family, they've been great support the whole time. You know, uh, yeah. you know, it's, I'm really, I'm doing what I want to do and doing what he wanted me to do. And, uh, you know, grandparents have always kind of been my biggest fans. And, and so, awesome. uh, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's like you said, though, it's, 
it didn't, you know, it was one of those things where, I mean, I had, I had, I, I had some help. I had a lot of help that day. And I think that uh, my grandpa had a lot more to do with it than uh, any of us really want to realize. I, I, I didn't start out having the best day. I lost first round, both entries, lost a buyback and I was down to one early, but uh, it worked wow. out. So no doubt it did. <laughs> Nick, we appreciate you taking us through the season and all the great things that happened to you, but we'll wrap up this part of the interview with, just asking you about 2018 is it more of the same obviously there's a lot of big races on the schedule more popping up on a daily basis whether you think that's good bad indifferent but you do we do we expect to see you or do you expect to see yourself just pretty much follow suit with 2018 plans i can't answer that yet uh if if we're going to follow suit with last season i i certainly hope so but uh no, we're going to. We're going to definitely try. Yes, uh, it's a big, big year for big money bracket racing. I, I, I see more opportunity out here for, you know, the sportsman bracket racer coming up next season than I've probably ever seen since I paid attention. Definitely, uh, there's definitely a lot of opportunity out there. Um, I think it's, it's uh, kind of makes our minds up as to what we're going to be doing and uh, trying for. And, and absolutely, yeah, you'll, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be at a about as many of them as I can I can make so results pending I'd like to be at all of them (laughs) good I'm sure we'll see you out plenty doing your thing well Nick um, if you listen to the podcast you listen to interviews you know we like to wrap it up with rapid fire we're going to throw five questions at you to get your quick response and some racing related some not you up for that yes sir all right, I think I know the answer to this, but I just got to ask, since you were so successful at both this year, foot break or top bulb? Foot break. Yeah, good answer. <laughs> I've been way more successful on the top, and that'd be my same answer, too. Um, all right, who, uh, how about this one? Who is your favorite cartoon character and why? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I haven't uh, thought about that in a while. Not there. Tasmanian Devil. Nice. Oh. He tears shit up. <laughs> oh, great answer. What is your favorite hobby outside of racing, Nick? Probably slot car racing, but if it's still drag racing and it doesn't count, I can come up with something else. Yeah, we'll, we'll accept that. <laughs> no. Biggest racing-related pet peeve? Racing-related pet peeve. Man, I don't know how to word it. I know what I'm thinking. Just to put it into words, it's wild. You Negative can... speculations. Okay, I like that. I was going to encourage you to I, give an explanation. That's about but as I think best that as makes... I can do. I mean, you don't get that out of the. You don't really get that out of the stuff that you know we've been doing lately. But you know what I mean. Uh, especially, you know, I, I know y'all know yourselves. You know, if you center yourself around, let's say, uh, locally, let's say, if you're just. You know, I know Adam Davis knows all about what I'm talking about right now, but <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you guys probably do as well. Yeah, so. we understand. <laughs> all right, Nick, you drag race for a living these days, but what was your last full-time job? My last full-time job would have been, full-time would have been, and I don't know if I've ever been full-time. <laughs> I've, always, I've always done what I had to to get back to the racetrack, I'm not going to lie. I did uh, lawn and landscaping services. I did a lot of of lawn mowing and uh, landscape work. I enjoy that. I like being outside and, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, as as ironic as it sounds that, you know, I have really bad allergies, so it wasn't always the best thing for me, but it's something I enjoy doing. And I got to ask to close this out, the, 
the nickname Nasty Nick. Who was it, at least to your memory? Who was the first to bestow that upon you? Boy, I tell you, I believe that started out at. I believe that started out with uh, Jose and the uh, Trans Am out at Cecil County in maybe two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Okay, um, so nasty neck wasn't on your junior dragster. It, it's something you've grown no. into. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you a lot of uh, some. Some are opposed to it. You know, I know my mom, for example, she doesn't really care for that name too much. But uh, <laughs> that's why uh, you know Jason Overstreet. He uh, he 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 started the whole uh, nice neck. Well, it's all so. in it's all in the connotation because you know, as bracket racers, when you lay down a five thousandths package, that's a nasty run. I, th- I think right. that's the way it's intended. I, I agree. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, those that know you know you're only nasty on the track, off the track. Well, I appreciate nice it. Yeah, that's you're both of those that's, nasty and nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best of both worlds. I'd like to think so one day. Thanks, Jared. Nick, thank you, man. We appreciate you taking some time to to join us and answer a few questions. Uh, again, congrats on an amazing year, and I can't wait to see you out there in 2018 doing your thing, bud. I can't wait to see you all likewise, buddy, and uh, uh, thanks again. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays, all our listeners and yourselves, and uh, I look forward to seeing you gentlemen again soon. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. See you, Nick. Bye-bye. You running out of moves, now he's got you in a bind I hit all on the table, put it all on the line Alright gang, I made this announcement a couple of weeks ago, but I wanted to reiterate how excited and proud I am to announce that NHRA and IHRA world champion and longtime This Is Bracket Racing Elite member Kevin Brannon has officially joined Team Elite to work alongside me as a full-time instructor. Most of you know Kevin as an ultra-successful racer. He's been a longtime member of This Is Bracket Racing Elite, and as the group has grown, he is a natural choice to join us as an instructor. Kevin is a good communicator with the heart of a teacher and I'm confident that he'll add great value to our community and I'm super excited to work alongside him as we team to take This Is Bracket Racing Elite to the next level. If you're interested in working alongside Kevin and myself to explore your potential behind the wheel, This Is Bracket Racing Elite may well be the place for you. Check us out at thisisbracketracing.com. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And, and, and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. For most racers around the country, we are approaching the off-season. What better way to use the off-season to ready for 2018 than to have a regular practice regimen? Portatree products make great gifts for racers. If you are assembling that wish list this holiday season, make sure to put Portatree on the list. From full-size trees to the practice tree that we personally use and recommend, the Eliminator Next-Gen Touchscreen Practice Tree. Portatree has all of the practice equipment that you'll need. For more information... Call Portatree at 1-800-541-7613 and mention promo code JINGLE10, which will give the holder 10% off through December. Hey,
racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's on Tap! This week's What's on Tap segment is presented by the AHRA. Yes, that AHRA. In early 2017, Dallas Brown acquired the rights to the American Hot Rod Association, aiming to create a back-to-basics program of sportsman drag racing. He plans to continue the organization and restore it to its former golden days. The AHRA is committed to taking its events back to drag racing roots, um, provide performance-based payouts, and guaranteed purses. Currently, the AHRA has issued a $10,000 bounty for anyone that is an AHRA member and wins Super Gas at the 2018 Winter Nationals in Pomona, here's the catch, without the aid of electronics. That's kind of what AHRA is all about. To find out more about the bounty or other exciting happenings with the AHRA, such as their um, stock sale uh, for the new GT classes, check them out at ahraonline.com or look for them on Facebook. So, Jed, as presented yes. by the AHRA, what's on tap? Well, it's the Great American Dream Team Challenge, Luke, and we've heard uh, a lot of talk about this event already, and it's going to be very cool in itself where everybody brings their best five, and there's going to be 32 teams per, you know, competing for a large purse. But I think um, what we're learning now about the event is it's going to be so much more than that. The, the Dream Team Challenge is, is going to be around a huge electronics purse and foot brake purse there in Memphis, uh, Labor Day weekend, or Memorial Day weekend, excuse me. Uh, the, the electronics purse has been announced as a 10, 20, and 10 Friday, Saturday, Sunday for only a $350 entry. And the foot breakers are going to get to race for a great purse as well, 5, 10, and 5 for only $200. So, uh, Britt and Galen are not only bringing us the, the Dream Team Challenge, which is a unique event in itself, they're putting up a great purse for the people that just want to come be a part of a great race, hitting the top or the bottom. Yeah, as Nick mentioned in his interview, we've got so many great options for big dollar bracket racing across the country in uh, 2018. But this is one um, that really has me fired up personally. The Dream Team format I think is really neat. As I mentioned before, we're going to have a This Is Bracket Racing Elite Team in competition, both in the Top Bulb Dream Team and the Bottom Bulb Dream Team. And obviously, uh, look forward to being there for three days uh, at Memphis. Great facility, racing for some big bucks. Big Jed, we have um, discussed in the past, as part of this segment of the show, This What's on Tap, we will not only feature upcoming events, as we just did, um, but also kind of give the listener a little insight to what's coming next on the show, on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. And our next episode, next week's episode, will actually be our final episode of 2017. We're going to take a, a week off there during the holidays, between Christmas and New Year's. Um, but our... Well, our final episode, our plan is to uh, to go out in a blaze of glory, so to speak. Like, we've got a big show on tap next week, and um, we want to get some insight from you. The, the theme, so to speak, of our final episode of 2017 will be um, a best-of show. And we actually did this one wrapping up 2016, and we had Jeff Verdi on with us and, and talked about some of the big happenings of 2016. This year, we want to go a little bit more in-depth, and again, we want to get some input with from you. So, 
in conjunction with the release of today's show, we're also releasing a link to a poll. You can find it on our Facebook page. You can, Jed and I will link to it on Twitter as well. Um, but the poll is pretty simple. We have five questions, five categories, so to speak, and we want some listener input. Um, first of our five categories, most outstanding performance of 2017, and this is from a individual event. Uh, most outstanding performance within the sportsman ranks. Our obvious nominees were national event double ups, and as we've uh, we've talked on the, ep- yeah. on the on the podcast before, there are there were plenty of those last year, uh, more than any year in history. So we had national event double ups for Nick Folk, for myself, Ed Olpin, Jeff Strickland, John Labuse Jr. Not sure how you differentiate between those, but they are all on the ballot. Um, Jed, we've got uh, most outstanding individual performance again. Brad Plord's Huntsville DRR series. That was the final DRR series event of the season where Brad in that back half Nova won a duck race one day, a $4,000 gamblers race the next, and then the $20,000 main event on the last day. Grace, the winner's circle on three different occasions at one of, if not the most competitive series in sportsman drag racing. Yeah, no doubt. And also got Troy Williams Jr.'s fall fling Bristol event where he, Won a 50 grander coming right off of his uh, top dragster world championship in IHRA. Uh, C.W. Hofer and what he did at the Division 7 ET finals, which uh, he just wrecked the field out there, won two classes in the same car. Um, Hunter Patton and Trey Bunner at the um, Mickey Thompson Million in Montgomery in October. Uh, both those guys performed extremely well. Justin Lamb, Spring Fling Million, hitting the bottom, uh, hitting it as good as anybody there with a delay box um had uh chris moran uh foot breaking his way to a ten thousand dollar win at the grand slam event at richmond dragway slick rick bear uh hitting the bottom bulb winning a 10k top bulb race at uh, bowling green over thanksgiving weekend and then of course luke your uh, huge win where you um kicked the door down and got the spring fling million dollar win at vegas uh, or the uh, the choices there that people can choose from. So a lot of choices that you can choose from and uh, think that through and, and give us your favorite or your best performance. Yeah, I don't know how you pick between those. And obviously, uh, we're going to challenge our listeners with that and we'll challenge each other with it. We're going to have to make our own picks and discuss them on next week's show, but at least we've got a week to think about it. I don't know how you differentiate between that. And shout out to, I think it's fair to mention, our uh, Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Advisory Committee. Um, We have basically assembled Mm -hmm. a group of about a dozen of the... I don't know, like the most respected names in sports from drag racing. We've got some event promoters in there. We've got some big name racers in there. We tried to spread it out to uh, all corners of the country so that everyone's represented and kind of all age groups and, and, all forms of sportsman bracket racing or sportsman drag racing in general. And that's, if you're wondering how these nominees came to be, these were basically submitted from within that advisory group. So hopefully we yeah. hit everything that you guys would specifically want to vote for. If not, we will have a write-in category on each of, um, in each of these categories as well. Favorite event of 2017, Big Jed. And I know we could go a lot of different ways with this. On yeah. the ballot are some of the obvious ones. The Mickey Thompson million, the Spring Fling million. The Powerball event that we talked about with Nick Hastings might have been one of his favorites. Um, I bet. Some of the other FFG, SFG events, including the the Super Bowl of uh, of bracket racing and the No Dragster Nationals, 
obviously the fling events we mentioned a million the fall fling the spring fling are also um nominees for this as is your world foot break challenge and the aforementioned dragracesresults.com ultimate series so lots of good events again uh, a write-in section is there as well um, in case your favorite event of 2017 is not on the listed nominees yeah, I will not be riding in the Jig Summer Door Car Shootout, Luke. Not because it wasn't a great event, but because I wrecked and I just <laughs> I, I can't give it my vote. So I apologize. That's that's understandable. Uh, I, I don't think we hold quite the place in your heart that we used to, Big Goods. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, so we've also got uh, Best Story of 2017, and uh, the the nominees there, at least uh, without whatever write-ins we get was uh brady holt's win at um uh shoot Luke. Salt Lake city. What, what is that salt lake city yeah that's right uh, on the anniversary of his son's passing uh his dan fletcher his son's accident i mean yeah his son's accident i'm sorry i, I apologize for that uh dan fletcher's uh, 100th win in nhra competition mm-hmm. um justin lamb's double championship which was huge uh, Austin Williams Super Comp title after uh, coming up second the year previous. Johnny Ezel uh, nearly uh, back-to-back winning a 50K at Huntsville and then the million. I think those were separated by just a couple of two or three weeks. And Justin Lamb's double NHRA World Championship, which was actually on there twice. So um, that's really good. He's on the list twice for the same thing. Advantage, that's, baby J. <laughs> yeah, that's going to that's gonna be hard to get around him. Might have to uh, make an and, edit there, Mark. <laughs> uh, Clay, Mill- Clay Milliken's uh, Bristol win, uh, first ever NHRA win. We know it's not a sportsman uh, category, but it was huge, and it was part of the podcast, so it got in there. Yeah, I love all of those stories. I have no idea how I'm going to choose between those. Um I think this one's a little bit simpler. We, at least we don't have as many different choices for the biggest controversy of, of 2017. <laughs> See, uh, the, the issues in play, the, uh, excessive breaking disqualification of Jerry Ammons back at Phoenix in February, early March. Um, that got a lot yeah. of attention. That's going to be hard to overcome. Um, certainly, Probably the biggest controversy within the show <laughs> was the um, the safety discussion <laughs> from the million dollar race, um, and then you've got the ongoing seemingly controversy over gifted rounds as it applies to a championship chase. Um, so those are the three um, nominees in that category for the biggest controversy of 2017. And like the others, we also have the uh, the opportunity to write in as well. And that leads us to our biggest, I would say most prestigious. And I don't know if this is necessarily an award because like, I, I don't, we don't have a sponsor lined up for this. Like I don't necessarily know that we're going to give anything away other than the prestige of being voted among your peers, among the listeners of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast, the driver of the year in 2017. And again, um, the nominees here were brought forth by our advisory panel. I think we did a pretty good job with this one. Obviously, there are some deserving um, racers that are left off, but we had to cut this somewhere. We have four, five, six, seven names on this list, and I think you could make a very reasonable argument for any of the seven. Driver of the Year 2017, Big Jed. We got John LaBoose Jr., who we talked about for most of the season as potentially um, having the, the greatest 
season in sportsman drag racing history um, that really got surpassed in the end, at least to some extent, by Justin Lamb. Nominee number two, Laboose bid for two NHRA World Championships and looked like he was going to accomplish that for much of the year. Justin Lamb ended up winning two NHRA World Championships in the same year, both quality nominees. Um, our third nominee, Troy Williams Jr., who we've had on the show, friend of the podcast, um, Troy dominating season, not only won the IHRA top dragster world championship, also came away with a plethora of big dollar bracket wins along the way. Um, fourth nominee, the aforementioned Johnny Ezel, um, highlights of his season would be those $50,000 win at Huntsville million dollar race win at Montgomery and I think those were three or four weeks apart but that was far from the only winning that Johnny Brackett Racer did over the course of 2017 he was a fixture in the late rounds at the biggest events across the country yes he was and another guy that put himself in position whether he was hitting the top or the bottom just about everywhere he went was Brad Plourd. Brad, uh, a solid nominee there for Driver of the Year in 2017. Um, we, we talked a little bit about him, seemed like every week, Luke. So uh, Brad certainly is deserving. And uh, on top of all the great things he did in the bracket racing scene, as you've mentioned, he, he won Indy and Comp Eliminator in a 200-mile-per-hour buggy. So um, that's, a, that's a guy that definitely should be in the running. Uh, the guy we just talked to, Nasty Nick Hastings, so we ran down some of his accomplishments. Multiple 10K-plus wins on the bottom, a couple of 20s in there on the bottom, running up a 250, uh, running up a couple of 20s. Uh, the guy just on the top, no less, that guy just dominated the scene, uh, along with uh, some of the other names that we've mentioned in bracket racing this year. And then wrapping us up is Austin Williams which, um, you know, Austin gets a lot of credit in being on the list for winning the 2017 Super Comp uh, NHRA World Championship, but uh, a guy that had a phenomenal year outside of just winning that. He, he won stock at the at the last event. He's a very competitive stock racer. So on top of his championship, a guy that just competes everywhere he goes and performs well. So Austin deserving of being on the list as well. Uh, once again, um, that poll... A uh, link to that will show up on our Facebook page. That is the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Jed and I will also link to it on Twitter. So help us out. Um, cast your vote, and we will spend basically the entirety of our next episode, which again will be the last episode of 2017, talking about this poll and its results. Just a reminder, there will be no episode the week of Christmas, the week between um, Christmas and New Year's. We will take the week off. You can watch our Facebook page for some links to some of our favorite episodes to replay during that relaxful uh, holiday week. Um, happy holidays. Merry Christmas from those of us uh, here at the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast to all of you out there listening. We hope you enjoy uh, some quality time with the people that you love and um, enjoy um, you know, some, some time unplugged a little bit from the racing community. Absolutely. And that wraps us up, folks. Uh, this episode of Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is coming to an end. Want to say thanks to our great sponsors, uh, Porta Tree, and this is Bracket Racing Elite. We appreciate those guys bringing the podcast to you, and certainly our guest, Nasty Nick Hastings. Great to have Nick on the show. Uh, great interview, and getting to know him a little bit better was a lot of fun. Want to say thanks to PJ North for all the music. Again, PJ does a wonderful job. You can find him at all the music outlets 
um, and certainly Mark Romeo, our uh, our podcast assistant, who helps put a show together and get things rounded up to help us uh, put a better show out for you. Um, Want to tell us what you think too, guys? Message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Uh, you can reach us there through Messenger or just drop us a post right on the page or uh, certainly reach out to us on Twitter. We appreciate the interaction there. And Luke can be found at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And I can be found at JP11X. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening. We will touch base next week with the best of 2017 episode. Take care, everybody. See you guys. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck just to try my love. Today's podcast is presented in part by Portatree. I use Portatree products personally to help me become the best racer I can be. From the pocket pal to a full-size national event tree, Portatree has quality products to meet our needs. Use promo code JINGLE10 to receive 10% off of all orders through December. For most racers around the country, we are approaching the off-season. What better way to use the off-season to ready for 2018 than to have a regular practice regimen? Portatree products make great gifts for racers. If you are assembling that wish list this holiday season, make sure you use... Ah, shit. And I messed that up. <laughs> uh, we're on a roll today. We got bloopers, bloopers, bloopers. Uh, it's really tough off your phone because it reads in very short. So I'm, I've got my phone turned sideways now. This is going to be so much better. Okay, I'm glad you got it figured gonna, out now. We're only gonna... 56 episodes in. <laughs> <laughs> enrollment in this is bracket racing elite is now open you've heard me discuss or at least reference this is bracket racing really elite it is the premier offering of our website this is elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.